Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. You have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Well, hello. It is playtime here at the Power Hour Star Style. Be the star you are. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you are listening to us on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our goal is to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. And this program is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves under the auspices of the charity and literacy and positive media forum, Be the Star You Are. We're about heart and soul, designed to inspire and motivate, and hopefully help you overcome challenges. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you for writing, speaking, and media interviews. Call 925-377-STAR or visit starstyleproductions.com to book your session. The Miracle Moment is from one of my favorite writers, Mark Twain. My father was an amazing man, and the older I got, the smarter he got. (laughs) Heather, I got that one for you. (laughs) I thought that's such a great quote. It's like... When we're teenagers, you know, we always think that our parents are a little odd, but as as we get older, we realize, hey, they're, they're okay. I know. It's scary, right? <laughs> I know. It's scary. It's really true. Well, in today's show, I mean, almost everyone is fascinated with the wild, wild west, and especially the stories of outlaws and bank robbers, specifically Jesse James and the James and Younger Brothers. So in segment two, we're going to bring it to you. It is Jesse James in the Northfield ra- uh, Raid and the Wild West Greatest Escape in the new book, Shot All to Hell, with author Mark Lee Gardner. And I'm really excited about it. It was just such a fascinating book. In our final segment, I'm going to give you tips on how to be a better writer, whether it be for blogs or books. But right now, in today's Tea for Two, Heather is going to be offering ways to get ahead on your dollar by cutting some summer cooling costs. So I'm not a real big fan of air conditioning. In fact, I don't even have it in my house. But many people couldn't live without it, especially if you reside in the hot states like our crew for Voice America in Arizona, where a daytime outside temperature can reach 120 degrees. I mean, you can hardly breathe in that. So you definitely need <laughs> So what do you do to cut down on cooling costs in the heat of summer? Heather, what suggestions do you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, well, exactly. Something, you know, a lot of times, it's hard to ever kind of break even. In the wintertime, we're cranking up the heater. We're turning on the fireplace. In the summertime, it's so hot. And that's why here in California, we get these things called uh, rolling blackouts or brownouts, too. It's when there's so much power being used. It just sort of overfries the system and, you know, all the power goes out. And that's why, you know, it's kind of something uh, here living in a beach community, it happens a lot. We're lucky enough that we get that cool, kind of cool uh, beach fog that rolls in. It, though sometimes we don't want it, it really helps with cooling the house. And in the summertime, as I think, uh, electrical bills skyrocket. 
And initially, the first thing we think is it must be the air conditioner, but there's a million of other kind of things that are zapping it uh, that we don't even realize. One thing is, uh, this kind of goes for all times of the year, but leaving things plugged in that aren't being used. For example, toasters, blenders, even though they're using at a small rate, they're still sucking out energy, which are still adding up. You know, nickels, it may be additional $3 on your bill, but that's $3 saved over time. You could save, you know, what, 24 then you got $36 additional just from unplugging computers, things like that. And that's something, too, if you, you know, leaving computers plugged in, if you can turn things off, turn things off and unplug them. And also to save the energy and the battery life on your computer, make sure you have a program that if you're, you know, if you're someone who your computer constantly, it has to be on, it has to be plugged in, you're always working on it, make sure you have um, the sleep uh, feature on it so that your computer cools itself down and goes to sleep. Because have you ever picked up your computer and it's burning hot? That's because it's on overdrive as well. So make sure you have that program so that it can actually prolong the life of your computer. That's a really good point, Heather, because I think what happens is that when we're working on a lot of projects, we do leave our computers on, you know, because all our windows are open, and we forget that it is important to shut them down and cool them down. And another big thing, too, is just as we get our annual checkups for us, get your house house an annual checkup, and that's the biggest electric, uh, electricity guzzlers is air conditioners, heating in the winter is the same, but also your air uh, your air ducts, your air vents. A lot of times, you know, I notice something of, uh, you know, you go and you clean the fans and it's disgusting how much dust accumulates on things. But also in your air ducts, it also accumulates lots of dust there. So it causes um, the air ducts, the air conditioning system to work harder. And that's just ventilation. If you, even if you don't have air conditioning in your house, we don't have air conditioning. Um, but we have, when you go into the bathroom, those fans that turn on, they're coming, those kind of internal fans, they get all clogged up and it's causing them to work harder. Another thing too, again, turning off lights, we all know that when you're not needing them. But something too is the drapes. A big thing in the house is when sunlight gets in here, it warms up the house, you know, heat rises. So if possible in the day, just shut your drapes, feel free to open windows and a great way to get free ventilation house is having cross ventilation. If you're fortunate to live in a house that has, you know, a window on one side and a window on another, open both those windows and it will set in an air that kind of crosses through. If you're someone unfortunately living in, you know, in the Arizona, in Nevada, and living in a hot area, the best fans and least expensive-wise are overhead fans as well as those ones you can just plug in. And that goes the same during the winter time. Um, instead of cranking up uh, the heater, it just find those little plug-in, uh, I think they're called like space heaters or something, um, that they use less energy and they're really, and they can be really warm or really cold. Something too with the house, this may sound crazy, but we know about changing thermostats to, uh, relieve your house, you know, to relieve your bills, set your thermostat at 78 during the summertime. I know that sounds horrible. The best thing is just to be turning it off, but when things kind of automatically set for itself to be at 78, um, I, again, make sure wearing light clothes in the house, too, can help with it. But starting that cross-ventilation. Um, something, too, when it comes to, I know a big thing in the summertime, we love cooking. And a great way, uh, the two things I recommend, if possible, try to avoid using the stove. The stove and the oven not only do they create a lot of heat in your house so that you'll be hot and you'll be wanting to, but they cost a lot more uh, during the summertime. If possible, try to use the microwave, even though in general I'm not a big microwave, quote-unquote, fan of cooking, or get outside and use the grill, barbecue. Um, it's a great time, too, to be cooking, you know, cooking less, to still kind of making things but not heat things, making raw salad, making sushi, uh, you know, doing, you can boil corn and stuff outside, kind of making colder products, because uh, let's face it, it's, it's hot outside, you don't want to be eating the hottest, the warmest things, too. Um, another thing when it comes to just kind of household, a way that you can help, you know, reduce, save on money, is when you're using your appliances. Uh, for example, your washer and dryer, and especially your dryer, zaps out a lot of energy, and peak prices, um, for whatever reason, the electrical company bills you more during the day. 
um, mainly because people are using more electricity in the day, and they know the demand is higher, the supply and the demand, so they can charge you more for that. So using your appliances after 6 o'clock when it's cooler in the evening will save you money because physically people aren't doing it then. They're doing it during the day. So kind of make a point if you don't have to wash something, and, and that's you know, the, a big thing too. Um, a lot of times when, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm renting right now, so we don't a great thing is we don't have to pay for water. And that's something, too, to always think. Renters and owners have different uh, kind of things going on when it comes to saving money. For that's owners, for sure. For owners in general, water, and especially in California, I feel like we're always in a drought. Um, but for owners, and in, in especially in a drought, so you're paying for a lot more for water. For renters, I'm fortunate that I live in a place that we don't have to pay for, pay for water. So I know I definitely slightly abuse that, that I love showers. I love having the ability to wash my clothes, you know, have a white wash, a bright wash, and a dark wash. Um, and I, and, but coming in the summertime, if trying to save water and trying to save, it's still cost, costing me money by doing these separate washes, um, by putting it in the dryer, in the, in the wash machine. Again, try to do it after 6 o'clock and try to kind of, you don't have to wash things every day or kind of let things build up a little bit so that you can have bigger washes so you can maximize that. And also, too, if you don't have to use the dryer, don't. Um, a great thing that's going to save you money is air drying clothes. Some clothes don't dry necessarily correctly that way, and some clothes actually should not be in the dryer. So this is a great time to kind of look at your tags, see what's kind of going on, see if you need to do um, any of that. One thing, too, I think is a, another kind of great uh, thing is know what's in your fridge. A big zapper is those times when we stand in front of the fridge, we're trying to figure out what we want, and we let all of um, that cold air escape. Then it takes your refrigerator more energy to cool itself back down. Just like a person, it gets all warmed up. It takes you time to cool back down. So when going to the grocery store, kind of make a mental note of what you have in your fridge. And it's a great thing, too, of making an idea of what you're going to be making for dinner or lunch or for your meals and kind of set that out. Um, also something that will keep your uh, freezer full, the fuller you keep your freezer, the better. It's going to use less energy to circle around because it's so full in there. Um, if you have automatic ice makers are great, but a, a one thing, too, that costs less money is if you unhook the automatic uh, ice maker and just use those little cube things, you know, you fill it with water, and just kind of be mindful. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves, I don't understand when people – you know, pour out the ice, but don't, and then just put an empty thing back in, you're not going to get more ice that way. So kind of being aware of that, um, being aware of that and making more ice. Again, ice in, ice in your freezer is going to keep it colder. And then you can also have things that you can take out of the freezer, have, you know, for your outside dinner parties to kind of keep cool, things cool. Another great thing is replacing your light bulb um, to different fluorescents. A lot of the times can use, um, operate about six times, uh, excuse me, I messed it up there. A single uh, fluorescent light bulb uh, uses about uh, six times of these energy-saving ones. Now, there was a big recall um, about, oh gosh, three years ago or so that um, for a while they had putting out these kind of curly-looking ones, and then they started to say that there was potential health hazards. Well, now there's new light bulbs on the market that are using less energy, still give the same amount of light. Sometimes they can cost a little bit more, but they can actually last a little bit longer. So um, keep that in mind. A lot of times, you know, it's easy to buy things at discount stores, but just going to a Lowe's, a Home Depot, um, stating kind of what you're wanting, that you are trying to save money, you're looking for energy-efficient lights for in the summertime, and they'll be able to hook you up with that. Um, the best thing, you know, is we're just trying to save money but still have a comfortable life that you're not, um, you're not kind of putting other things out. Um, another good thing is really making sure that things are off. Um, Something, too, if you are going to be away and you want to kind of have that mystique that you're still at home, is setting your lights on uh, timers. That way they're not constantly on in the house, earning up, earning up energy. And that you can still kind of have that mystique that someone's home or someone's gotten home, especially if you're going to be out of town. Um, to, you know, checking with water. Um, yeah, and a, kind of the biggest overall thing, I think, of just when you're at home in the summertime, Wearing light and comfortable clothing. Uh, I think a big thing when we get home, we, you know, instantly we want to put on our comfy clothes. If we don't have to be in the nicest things possible, 
make sure it's lightweight clothes that breathe so that you can be uh, in and out of the house and feel comfortable. Do you have anything you'd like to add regarding tips you may have of keeping your energy uh, bills low this summer? Well, you know, I think that you've done a wonderful job of, of uh, just giving lots and lots of great tips for how to keep our bills low and also how to keep cool because, of course, that's what, you know, that's what we really need to do. For me, it's, you know, using fans, just as you said. Uh, also, we're just wearing um, less clothes as when we need to do that. And, of course, we have to watch all our water costs. If we're, you know, being the gardener that I am, I'm always trying to keep the, keep the water going when we need to water things, but you have to watch that as well. But, Heather, I just think that you did a brilliant job of telling people how to cut their summer cooling costs. So with that, I think what we'll do is have you give out the website or you can give a, a quick wrap-up. Yeah, my, my one last tip, and especially goes out to all the gardeners right there, is if you do live in an area where water is scarce or that you're constantly on drainage things, great things of having succulents, sort of wind, uh, you know, desert plants, uh, to have at your house, as well as planting trees in front of your house. Trees will give an automatic natural shading that will shade your house, um, and you can set your timers to to, to kind of um, water your plants early in the morning or late at night so that it won't dry off and it will kind of last throughout the day. So and that's a that- great idea, and it's actually, yes, and it's really good if you're going to do lawns to do them actually early in the morning so you don't get the little bugs in case it doesn't dry off at night. So great uh, summer cooling cost cuts, way to go. And uh, go ahead and give out the website. Yeah, with that, we want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. And when we return from break, we're going to time travel back to the 1870s and 80s and the final bank raid of Jesse James and the rest of the outlaws and then the rest of the story when author Mark Lee Gardner visits us with his new book, Shot All to Hell. This is a real, real thriller. You think you know the story? I don't think so. Stay with us. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. Star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you are. 
apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 gifts, and Be The Star You Are for teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR 925-377-STAR Be the star you are You are the star Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves Cynthia Bryan gabs with the gurus Lend us your ears for the power hour on Star Style Be the star you are now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Well, thank you so much for staying with us right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We know you have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. And there's always detours, and that's where we come in. We want to help you ignite your power, shoot for the stars, and read some fascinating books that can change your life and inspire you. Well, the first national bank in Northfield was not the first choice for the James Younger gang. They actually planned to rob the bank in Mancota, but an unusual crowd scared them away. So they rode to Northfield, and of course, the rest is history. Shot All to Hell is the new book by Mark Lee Gardner. It is a narrative of Jesse James, the Northfield Raid, and the Wild West's greatest escape, Welcome, Mark, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Well, the first thing that grabs me in your book is this moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. It's like we're right there with them. And I, I think that what I was so impressed with that I really didn't know before, and then we'll get to deeper in the book, was that despite the huge egos of, like, Jesse, especially Jesse James, and um, and one of the youngers, and the disagreements on various things, this band of thieves, where they were really loyal to one another right to the very end. Yes, they, they what were. What is it that fascinates you? Yeah, what fascinates you most about the James Younger gang? Well, I, I think that a couple of things is, is that um, they were so successful, you know, with their life of crime, and and they were able to elude the authorities time and time again, and and part of that comes from their experiences in the Civil War. You know, they were bushwhackers. They fought under Quantrell for the South, and they were used to running and hiding. Um, but they became real—I mean, really—professionals and uh, were able to stay one step ahead of posse's, Pinkerton detectives. You know, for over 15 years, and I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. When I, you know, I never realized it because it's—you know—these are stories that are romanticized, obviously, right? right? And I, you never know, were they really kind of these romantic heroes stealing from the rich, you know, not maybe going to give to the poor? Because it does seem that they weren't hell-bent on murder unless they had to be. And I loved all their various aliases. They were, you know, they were able to lie with the best of them about who they were, whether they were a minister or a farmer or or they were... Or out, they were after the outlaws themselves. I mean, they were pretty fascinating. Were they debonair kind of people? It seems like they must have at least looked like they weren't outlaws. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they struck people as outlaws, except for you know they they had these amazing physiques. I mean, they were all around six feet. They were very robust. They were young men. They were handsome. You know, wherever they went, they they naturally drew attention to themselves. But I think one of the keys. Of their success is this was an age, and we're talking 1876, where there were no use of fingerprints, but the, but the photo ID did not exist, and the James family and the younger family 
they kept those photos very close to the vest, and they didn't give them up. So they could actually walk around, you know, they could, they could ride on a train, they could be in a stagecoach, they could be on a city street, and unless you had grown up with Jesse or Frank, nobody's going to recognize them. What is really fascinating, you know, about that time period, of course, you probably couldn't get away with it now, but you were talking earlier about them in the Civil War. I mean, they were just teenagers, weren't yes. they? And they? They were running with Quantrill and then Bloody Bill, and that's really where they learned uh, so much of their maneuvers. It also seems to me that the Civil War was so brutal and such a devastating time. And, you know, this, you know, obviously one of the, the black marks in our history. But it also seems that that was the, the time period where it, they really got this idea of if they have to kill or be killed. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, in Missouri, that was the most savage theater of the war. You mentioned Bloody Bill Anderson. I mean, he was famous for scalping enemy victims. It was that gruesome. Uh, and Jesse was 16 uh, when he was fighting for the South. As a teenager, he witnessed his stepfather being hung um, you know, by federal militia in order to get information on where Brother Frank was. I mean, it was so violent, uh, and, and Jesse had to live through that. And, and to me, the Civil War made those outlaws. It created Cole Younger and the Younger Brothers. It created Jesse and Frank. Um, without that war, we would not have had these iconic outlaws. Now, that doesn't excuse the cold-blooded murders they committed later, but you know they didn't start out to be these horrible criminals that they became, and I think the key to, to what transformed them was that violent experience of the Civil War. Yeah, that's what this is. You make that very clear in your book. We're talking with author Mark Lee Gardner. His new book is Shot All to Hell, Jesse James, The Northfield Raid, and The Wild West, Greatest Escape. He is also uh, the author of To Hell on a Fast Horse, which is about Billy the Kid, and that's really a, a fascinating, a fascinating a story and book as well. You know, um, Mark, something you were saying earlier about how robust they were, and you bring that out in your book several times of how when people saw them coming that they just were like big hunk of men, you know. I was absolutely amazed at their tenacity and their stamina when they were on that chase after Northfield with bullet wounds, broken bones. Uh, you, you made a point that when um, one of when they took their boots off, their toenails came off because it was like they had just rotted. They they were able to withstand so much pain, plus hunger and um, and the cold and the wet and the rain in Minnesota. There, yeah, and I think part of it again goes back to the Civil War. They were survivors. I mean, they learned how to endure. They were stubborn. Uh, they were resistant, and they fought to the bitter end. And and as you mentioned, for two weeks, these men are traveling on foot through some of the worst weather Minnesota had experienced, rainy weather. They were constantly wet. I mean, their their leather boots were rotting off their feet, and as you mentioned, taking their toenails uh, off with it. But these men, you know, they did not give up. You know, they, they were known to be just as intense regarding their loyalty. They, you know, they're not going to give up to posses. They're not going to give up uh, fellow gang members. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's amazing to read that story today, what these men endured, and they actually went down fighting, as you will call from the book, the Younger Brothers, you know, they fought until they were shot down, and it's amazing that they even survived. Well, and, you know, they actually said, when they said to surrender, they were like, hey, you know, we'd rather, we'd rather die here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and so they were really tough, but even when they did, when the Youngers got caught, they never gave up the names of who were in the raid with them. That's correct. And, and that, that, to me, is amazing because you you would always get somebody that would want to do a plea bargain. Right. Well, I, I think, you know, these men had served together in the war, and they were fiercely loyal. And, and I think what, what builds on how amazing that, that fact is is that, you know, those brothers spent 24 years in prison before they were paroled. And had they given up those names, it would have certainly shortened their prison term. But they would never, in that 24 years, identify Frank and Jesse as their cohorts in that robbery attempt. You know, and it's interesting, too, because although they, you know, they were a gang together, 
Jesse was, I mean, he's the most famous, obviously. Right. And it has to be because he was always writing in the newspaper. He probably had the biggest ego. Yep. And um, that might have been what done him, you know, did him in in the end anyway, right? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, he, I think he was, I mean, Jesse is, is, is one contemporary said he was a queer combination. You know, and, and certainly he was very cunning and, and cautious, but he was also extremely paranoid. But then at the same time, he was overconfident. You know, he had been so successful. And, you know, it's really, it's a trait that he shares with Billy the Kid. You know, Billy the Kid had escaped so many times, and he thought he would never be caught or killed, and, and Pat Garrett caught up to him. And I think Jesse James had that same hubris. You know, he had, he had survived by its wits and succeeded so many times. I mean, he had escaped Northfield, Minnesota, when there were a thousand men on his trail. And that he got was away. so crazy to think a thousand men, and maybe even more. It was like they were everywhere, yeah. on every bridge, at every river, at every crossing, at every road. And yet, these guys got away. Yeah, Frank and Jesse, you know? actually. In a, in a land that they didn't even know. They had a map that didn't even have, they didn't even know Minnesota there. And no. what, they went to Minnesota because of the Pinkerton guy, right? right? They went there because he's the one that had thrown that bomb that, killed their little brother and right. took arm off of their mom, which it was like, that was, it was almost like revenge, where they, yes. why they went to, to Minnesota. Yes, the, the revenge was definitely a motive in going to Minnesota because this, this uh, informant, this Pinkerton informant, who had assisted on the raid on the James Farm in 1875, he had fled to Minnesota, to St. Paul, and he thought he was very safe several hundred miles away, but he didn't know the James gang that well because they went to Minnesota and were right at his back door. Essentially, uh, right. That they were, you know, they made that pretty clear, at least to each other. They were never going to give up on that. No, you know, to turn a different page. Something that was so amazing to me that I still, I, I wanted to ask your opinion because I think, you know, today we're all. I don't know if the word's paranoid, but you know, we lock our doors. It's like don't talk to strangers. Over and over again. The gang members would put on a new persona. They would knock on a farmer's door out in the middle of nowhere and ask for food or could they spend the night or whatever. And they were constantly welcomed in. Yes. What was, what was it like in those days? Well, I mean, the Civil War had happened. That was such a horrible time. Were people, did they not suspect anything? And I, I know that these people that welcomed them in had not received the information, usually, that there had been this, you know, this uh, holdup. But in general, did did people out in the wilderness just open their doors to any passerbys? Was it the Good Samaritan? Yes, yes, they did. It was a much more innocent time. But you also have to remember that uh, in some of these more remote areas, there were no hotels or boarding houses, and travelers coming through this region. I mean, it, it was a cultural tradition that you offered, you know, room and board for a traveler on the road. I mean, it was it was considered, you know, unneighborly and and rude you know, not to, you know, uh, welcome or at least, you know, help out uh, a traveler, um, you know, who needed a, a place to sleep, even if it was in your barn or, or your kitchen or what have you. And so, yes, um, you know, these people, when, when, the J, when Frank and Jesse showed up at their door and they didn't know who they were, um, it was the tradition that, oh, yes, you know, you know, come in and whatever they had, they shared, uh, whatever there was to eat. And, and often the traveler, you know, would try to pay them something. And, but if they didn't, it wasn't considered... Uh, you know, a faux pas or, or rude. I mean, you know, uh, you everybody helped one another out at that time, especially the more remote the area. And some of the areas of Minnesota and, and Iowa they were traveling through were, were just like that. You know, uh, something that was very interesting, though, is at least according to your book, and again, we're speaking with Mark Lee Gardner, the author of Shot All to Hell, Jesse James, The Northfield Raid, and The Wild West Greatest Escape, is um, you chronicled how in almost every instant... Uh, Jesse and Frank attempted, at least, to pay their dues. So, you know, they would give them money for the bread. They would give them money for the coat, whatever it was, or the horse. So whatever yeah. it was, you know, except for a couple of times when they were on the road and they commandeered something. Right, right. <laughs> but, but they no. actually tried to pay for things. It yes. wasn't like they were stealing from these people. Yes, and, yeah, and often they were very, um, you know, uh, of course they were in a hurry, but... You know, the, 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 a kindly woman would offer, you know, a meal, and they would stay on their horses. Oh, no, just a loaf of bread will do. And, you know, they weren't gluttons or, you know, or weren't out there trying to get as much as they could. I mean, 
they were, you know, they had grown up in a in a in a very religious family. I mean, Jesse's father was a Baptist minister. They were they were very polite. I mean, well mannered men, and they knew, you know, what was appropriate uh, when traveling and when meeting strangers. And so, yeah, they acted, you know, like they normally would or anybody else would, except these guys were, you know, criminals and murderers. Right, right. Well, you know, there was you had one line, and I I don't recall exactly who said it. But uh, I, maybe it was the doctor when the doctor ran into them on the road when he was trying to find the man. Doctor Mosher. Doctor Mosher when he was hunting for the man. Yeah. Man's homestead, and he said that Frank reminded him of a minister. Yeah. He was just very upright, and he was so, like you just said, so polite. So they must have come across as very genteel, you know, sophisticated kind of people, and obviously they were, they were smart. They yeah. were. In- yeah. Now, do you personally think were they uh, they did become criminals, you know, as it went on and of course when Jesse and Frank got away and they actually and they, you know, escaped uh, the, all the um all, all the posses after them, they tried to live a life of regularity right. by you know Frank becoming what he worked for a lumber company and a farmer and Jesse did uh, worked as a farmer but then they went back into uh, back into the gang thing again. Yeah. But do you personally think that they were hoodlums? Um, what did they use their money for? I mean, what what was the purpose of all this? Well, you know? that's one of the interesting things about the James Younger gang is that you know they didn't save their money. They did. You know, they weren't. You know, there's no evidence they were saving it to buy a big farm somewhere, or you know, they blew it and they blew it on fun. I mean. Uh, they right. spent, it was just like booze, women, and yeah, booze, gambling. women, gambling. I mean, you know, they, these were still very young men. You know, no one was over the age of thirty-five. You know, in eighteen seventy-six, Jesse was twenty-nine, Frank was thirty-three, and uh, and when they, you know, robbed a train of like fifteen thousand dollars, that money didn't last very long. And you know, that was a huge amount of money in the nineteenth century. Uh, but they blew it away. You know, like uh, you know, it just just went through their hands, basically. So why do you think, I mean, again, I'm asking a personal, I guess, opinion, why do you think they loved this life of crime? I mean, because they obviously couldn't stay away from it even when they got away. You know, even when they were free men, I mean, and when I say free, I mean, it was just that nobody knew where they were. <laughs> right. Is that, you know, they then they decide to go back and do it again, and of course that was Jesse's do-in, basically, in trusting, actually letting two of his... uh other gang members, you know, stay in his home. Right. So, what do you think? What do you? Why do you think they went back to it? Was it just what they knew? It was all again. It goes back to the Civil War. Well, I think part of already what you said is correct. I think it's it's all that they knew. You know, Jesse would claim over and over that that the authorities had forced them into a life of crime and would not allow them to lead a normal life. In fact, the, the Missouri legislature there was an amnesty bill to grant them amnesty, and which never came to pass, or it failed to vote. And uh, so Jesse felt like that he had no other choice but to be a criminal. But I think at the same time, I think that he, he loved the excitement and he definitely loved the notoriety. I mean, he had it, like we said, he had a huge ego. He liked to pull off stunts or robberies that got in the newspaper. He liked to write letters to the newspapers and to see his name in print. And, and I think it was hard for Jesse, you know, having lived this, you know, you know, see your pants, you know, hell for leather life as a bushwhacker, and then just to become a plain old farmer, you know, after the war. But with, with the authorities still hunting them and pressing them, he felt like he had no other choice. He, you know, he liked to have money, and, uh, and he liked the excitement. But again, I think it goes back to his ego. I mean, he loved, you know, the attention that these brazen holdups brought to Jesse James. You know, I... I think you're absolutely right. It would be really hard to go back to farming after you've been on the front page of every yeah. newspaper, you know, as the as America's greatest, greatest escape artist, basically, you know, and and so many people actually, I mean, when the younger brothers were there in jail, I mean people were were really sad. A lot of the women every you know, they they really liked them. They did. Oh yeah. I mean they yeah, were they were superstars. Yeah, they were. They were and it it, it amazes me, uh, you know, how even the, the press of the time kind of fawned over these outlaws who had who had killed innocent people in the pursuit of their crimes, but 
but there was something that was irresistible, somewhat irresistible, about these young men. And the papers fawned over them. Even the Minnesota newspapers, you know, wrote of them in so, with some degree of admiration, which I think is incredible when they killed two Minnesota citizens in the pursuit of this robbery. Uh, but there were just, there was something about them that was, you know, somewhat irresistible. And uh, as you say, you know, women cried with them and were sorry for them and, you know. Asked their forgiveness. Yes. For, for yeah. When I was reading your book, I was like, what? What are they doing? You know, something else that I thought was very, uh, like it was almost a premonition with uh, Haywood in the Northfield um, robbery mm-hmm. there. When he was told about the 1964, I think it was, uh, robbery of the other bank and asked, would you think you would open the safe? And Haywood said, oh, no, I don't think I ever would. And three days later, the James Younger gang come in and he doesn't open the safe and he loses his life. Yes. Because of it. Well. And that seemed like an outrage as well when the bank and would only offer, what was it, $500 that they lifted it up to $3,000? Right. Yeah. It was like, what? You give your life for so little? Yeah. Well, it's, it, well, there was a different philosophy then. You know, today, any, any bank employee will tell you that their instructions, if someone has a gun or, or, threatens to have a gun, you give them the money. Um, but in the 19th century, there was no federal insurance for deposits. Uh, a bank's reputation was based on the fact that we will protect your money. Um, if, a bank, if, if banks easily gave up the funds, people wouldn't deposit their money there. But, but on top of that, Haywood, the acting cashier, he was the treasurer at Carleton College. And Carleton College, it was a very young school, and all their funds were in that bank, and he knew that. Um, so he was also trying to protect, you know, the college because it could go under, you know, if that money was stolen. So, so he had a big incentive to resist the robbers, right. and he did. And there was a what? There was like thirteen thousand or fifteen thousand dollars in the thousand dollars in the bank. Well, I want to ask you just a couple more questions okay. as we're getting towards the end here, because there are still Jesse James or defeat Jesse James days. And uh, you actually appear at it, right? Well, I'm going to be there uh, this September. Yeah, it's, it's, it's held, the, I think it's always the second weekend in September. Um, but, yeah, they reenact the uh, robbery. They do it like three times a day for three days. Thousands of people watch it. It's one of the most accurate re-ena- historical reenactments in the American West. And uh, it celebrates the heroes, the citizens of Northfield, who actually put up a fight against the most famous outlaw gang of all time and defeated them. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was another, uh, another crazy thing that when I, cause I never realized this until I read, um, I read your book, Shot All to Hell, is that the guys that were outside, they're, they were actually riding their horses up and down the street, shooting into the air as the citizens were shooting at them. Yes. So, and it just said what the character, to me, what a strong character and dedication to the gang that they had, because it would have been very easy for them just to run away. Yes, it would have been. Right away, but they didn't. And they, you know, of course, uh, the one got killed, um, Bill got killed. Right. That day. And, but, you know, it was, it was, that to me was amazing that they were actually shooting in the air. I mean, at the end, they actually were shooting. I also just want to bring to our listeners' attention that you also make music. You have a new CD. Yes, I do. Songs of Robbers. Uh, wrestlers and rogues, and you play a plethora of instruments, what, guitars, banjos, mandolins, and they're all period, right? Yes, all, I, all, yeah, all vintage instruments, and I use historic playing styles, and, and as you said, I perform the historic ballads, and, you know, Jesse and Cole and, and the gang were so popular that there were ballads written about them immediately after uh, Cole was in prison and after Jesse was killed in 1882, there's the famous Jesse James ballad that was written. That is, I wish you could sing it for us now. Anyway, uh, and you've also authored nine different publications and a map for the National Park Service. Everything can be ordered through them. But let's give out your website. Mark, you're just fascinating, and I can see why everybody, you know, from uh, from ABC to the History Channel to BBC, et cetera, wants you on their show. Oh, well, thanks. This is just, uh, it's such... I just love this part of history. It's hard to imagine living, you know, in those times and 
and how you would respond, but it's so much fun to read about it. So uh, the website is songofthewest.com. The new book is Shot All to Hell by Mark Lee Gardner, and it's Gardner without an E between the the D and the N. That's right. (laughs) A-R-D-N-E-R. I'm an actual flower gardener, and I want your name. Oh. Uh, (laughs) And his other book that was about Billy the Kid, which we didn't get to talk about today because that's another fantastic character, you know, and Sheriff Pat Garrett, obviously is uh, called To Hell on a Fast Horse. So you've got something going with these hell stories. Yeah. Well, my next book's going to be on Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders. So. Oh, fun. So yeah. we're just moving up in history just yes. a little bit. We're yep. getting to, like, 1898 now. That's right, right? yep. Yep, there you I'm a I'm a history major, so. Oh, I can I'm, tell. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, love, I really love the way that you've written. And I like the style that you write in because it's very... Um, very much approachable, and it's like it really happened. So, Mark, thank you so much for being on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Best of success with all your engagements and, and this book. It's just fantastic. So, again, Shot All to Hell, Jesse James, The Northfield Raid, and The Wild West's Greatest Escape by Mark Lee Gardner, who is also the author of To Hell on a Fast Horse. So if you love The Wild West, this is the man's book that you want to read. Thank you, Mark, for being on the show. Well, thanks, Cynthia. I mean, I really liked, I really enjoyed chatting with you. It was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you so much. Well, as you probably can tell, I do read every book cover to cover. Oh, I can tell, yeah. I'm I'm impressed. (laughs) No, that's the only way that I'll do an interview. If I have to read the book, otherwise I don't want to interview anybody. Well, thanks so much for reading it. It's really important. It's only respect for the author, right? Yeah, I am. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, yes. Well, congratulations, and keep up the good work, and keep fiddling, my friend. Okay. Hey, thanks, Cynthia. Thank you. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, we'll be right back with a bit more. Stay with me. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Have you been wanting to start writing but didn't know where to begin? How about experimenting with a blog? What's a blog, you ask? Well, a blog which is short for weblog. It's an online journal of regular entries with the newest entry listed first. Now, the activity of adding information, or called posting, to a blog is blogging, and someone who maintains a blog is called a blogger. Your blog is whatever you want it to be. It can be personal, it can be a diary, it can be a daily pulpit, a private team space for collaboration, a soapbox, a breaking news outlet, or simply a collection of your favorite web links or quotes. For the vast majority of bloggers, their blog is a rambling collection of personal thoughts and ideas written for a very small group. Yet there are also bloggers who earn significant revenue from ad programs and sponsorships. And today, most corporations, publications, films, and products have associated blogs. So how do you create a blog? The way to begin to understand blogs is to create your own. You can start with blogger.com or wordpress.com because it's really easy. Within about 10 minutes from landing at your start page, follow the instructions. You'll have created your account, give your blog a name, chosen a blog template from the many that are available, make some simple adjustments, and then you're ready to post. There's no cost, so you can just go ahead and experiment, and that's all there is to it. Now, you have to write something and post it. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business fight from Star Style. For personalized coaching or consultations, visit StarStyleProductions.com or call 925-377-STAR. This business of show business is calling out to me. 
Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program star style be the star you are hosted by the passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryan now back to the power party thank you for staying here on star style be the star you are i am cynthia bryan and the secret to every success lies not in what or even who you know but seeing where you want to go and star style, be the star you are. We believe you have the power to have it all and we intend to help you get there and go in the right direction and keep on going. So with that, I wanted to give you a few writing tips because as a New York Times bestselling author of six books, I get a lot of emails and calls and people want uh, coaching sessions on you know, getting something published or learning to write better or even just to be able to write essays for college, you know, entrance for the teens, like when they're trying to go to college, or to write something for a newsletter. So first I thought I would start by giving you just some information on how about writing emails and letters, some things to check, because when you're, you want to say something that it's important, maybe it's an appeal, maybe it's a speech, Maybe it's just an acknowledgement, but you've got to check what you do. You want to make sure that the receiver of your message feels seen and heard at the outset. Does it feel like it's about you or is it about the person you're addressing? Because if it's about you, you've got to change it. It needs to be about them. Does it emotionally connect from word to word? Does it contain something of value to the audience? Does it ask for a clear simple action? Does it contain one amazing story or do you get off track and you go on a tangent? Does your letter or email invite conversation? And finally, do you thank the person for listening? If the answer is yes, then you are good to go. And make sure before you send anything out that you double check your spelling, etc. Because I know in this day and age, it's so easy to send things out and not to... um, to spell check or to use spell check and just let it change as it may be and that doesn't always work. I know I've earlier in my career I did things like, you know, house would become horse and all of those kind of things. So you don't want to do that. And just remember that the number of poorly written emails, resumes and blog posts that everyone comes across every month is really staggering and very saddening. And when the grammar's off or there's tons of misspelling or the language is so wordy or complex, then it makes no sense. So writing has become a lost art. It's one of the reasons at Be The Star You Are Charity that we really work on literacy issues, which are reading, writing, speaking, reporting, because writing is a reflection of your thinking. You want to be clear, succinct, and convincing And that will differentiate you as a great thinker and a valuable asset to your team or, you know, to your organization. So if you want to be thought of as someone who's intelligent, you have to become a better writer. And if you want to be taken seriously in your job by your manager, your colleagues, or potential employers, or even your clients, you have to become a better writer. And it's not just you who becomes a better writer. I mean, it's all of us when I say that. Because, you know, myself too, we all make little faux, you know, faux pas. My uh, newest edition of the business of show business, the 14th edition, 
was just launched uh, this week, and you'll have to go to, you can check it out on Amazon. It's an enhanced ebook, so it has audio in it as well as all the updated information for 2013 for the business of show business. It's a comprehensive guide for actors and models to keep you going and keep you away from the scams. So you can check book.com, which is an ebook place, V-O-O-K.com, or go to Amazon.com, or it should be on BarnesandNoble.com. It's called The Business of Show Business by Cynthia Bryan, and it is the 14th edition. And why I, besides trying to plug it, why I bring it up is, you know, no matter what you do, and even when you have an editor and a proofreader and a copy editor, there are always errors. So errors are kind of part of life, but the best we can do is practice, 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 and keep writing because the more you write, you know, the better you get, you do. And that's why I write every day, and I'm also blogging every day, and I'm on LinkedIn, and, um, you know, all these different things. I only do it for business purposes. I don't do it for just regular, I don't do it just for fun. But uh, make sure, make sure that you just write every day and then check your stuff. Also, uh, read all of your articles and books out loud before you publish them. And your emails, too. Because when you hear it the way the others are going to hear it as they read it, it's really, really helpful. Tone in emails is difficult to convey. But it's valuable to say what you're writing about. And when you say it out loud, then you can make a very quick edit before you put it out there. And I probably don't have to mention, but I've made these mistakes, is make sure you check the email address to whom it's going. Because sometimes in our address books, we might keep the email address of relatives or friends or, or um, you know, someone else that the person knows. And then you click on the name of John Smith, and you're really not sending it to John Smith. You might be sending it to, uh, you know, Susan Jones, because Susan Jones is a friend of John Smith. So be very careful of who you send things to. Make your writing concise. Less is often more. So edit, edit, edit. You know, I write for newspapers as well as magazines. And after I write my articles, I go through them, I read them out loud, and then I cut them down several hundred words usually. It's very, it's, it's time consuming, but it really does help. So make sure to be concise. And that even goes when you're tweeting. And you know, 140 characters isn't much, but if you want to say it with pizzazz, make it really succinct. Work on your headlines. Headlines are really important. It's what people are going to click on. So get something that is a grabber. Like my newest um, garden article, which is all about deer invading my garden, is, you know, what a gal will do for a buck. <laughs> so, you know, people want to turn and, and do that. And then finally, you need to read. Practice, practice writing, but first, the number way, number one way to improve your writing is to read. And read as many magazines, newspapers, newsletters, everything you can, but especially read a book, and at least read a book a month, and, you know, 20, 30 articles a week, if possible. And uh, I know we all have limited time and space, and we all have 24 hours in a day, but... If you don't read, you won't succeed. We have that motto at Be The Star You Are, read, lead, succeed. And speaking of writing, Be The Star You Are essay contest will be starting in October. So check out StarStyleRadio.com and go to events. And it is going to be what it means to be an American. Thank you for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every week. Make sure you're always here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. You can change your life and make your dreams come true. And Heather Brittany and I, Cynthia Bryant, are there for you. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit StarStyleProductions.com. For information about the charity, visit BeTheStarYouR.org or go to the letters B-T-S-Y-A.org. Until we celebrate next week, remember that love always wins, kindness prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name's Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. I thank you and encourage you. Be the star you are. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star.
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.